there. Glad you joined us today. I want to welcome you and wish you a Merry Christmas from the river at Portland. If you could make the trip in, we'd love to see you sometime. We've got a homecoming coming up on January 12th. Been in ministry here for 23 years, and it'd be great to see both past members and current members, everybody come together, be able to celebrate the almost a quarter of a century of sharing the love of God and the gospel. We'd love to have you as we're going into 2020. Lots of exciting things happening here at the church. I encourage you to check out our website at www.theriveratportland.org. You can sign up there for our newsletter and events as well. And you'll get notifications when new things are posted up. And feel free to share it with your family and friends. We'd love to have them come and hear the truth of the word as well. But I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. Be safe. Have a wonderful time in the Lord. And we'll see you next year. God bless. You may be seated. I'm back on the job. I appreciate everybody praying for me. I've had three rough weeks, but thank God I'm here this morning. By the grace of God. Amen. I am just going to share just a little bit of what we're going to do after just a few minutes. We're going to end Christmas on worship because that's what it's all about is worshiping the Lord. And I got uh, really kind of got this message um, out at the VA hospital. You know, we went out to the VA this past week, and um, it really uh, is, is, is something that everyone ought to go see. You ought to go out there and see the guys that have paid the price for you to be able to sit here in freedom today. And I got thinking, you know, those guys paid it forward. They're the ones who truly have paid it forward. And I know I took Canaan out, my grandson, and... um, I think it made a big impression upon him. I talked to this guy, and I happened to be in the room. I just went there, me and him. And uh, so uh, we were talking, and he was by himself, and uh, I went over, I went in the room to talk to him. And. Uh, and got talking to him, and he said, "You know," said, "I don't have anybody. I don't. I don't have anyone." Said, "My mother died uh, in August, and she was 95 years old." And she said, "And he said, I don't have anyone but a sister." And said, "I have a sister who lives here in Murfreesboro." And he said, "I've been in here six months, and no one has ever visited me from my family." I thought. Now, here is this guy who his foot is off. He's laying in a hospital bed, and he's got a sister that's somewhere in that town, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, probably not over 10 or 15 miles from that hospital, and she doesn't go to visit him. And I thought, my, 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 my goodness. So I was talking to him, and I said, I want to tell you something. I said, there's somebody who cares something about you. Amen. I said, you may not know it today, but I said, there's someone who cares something about you. He said, who's that? I said, well, for one is me. 
that I care something about you. But I said the most important thing is Jesus Christ of Nazareth who paid the price that you might have eternal life. He cares something about you. And so as we were talking, and I said, I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to pray that your family comes to see you. And so we uh, went and saw this um, guy, and and I, I got thinking, here's a guy with no legs, and you think, my the price that he has paid. And for us in America... We can't even get up and come to church. We have a problem getting up on Sunday morning and coming to a church and worshiping God who has paid it all for us. And these guys who have paid the ultimate price, some of them, 58479 paid the ultimate price in Vietnam. And then we have a problem getting to our churches in America. We need a revival in America. Unless revival hits America, America is doomed. And I thank God that God's getting ready to turn up the heat. You're going to see God start doing something in this country. I think God is going to have the last laugh on this situation. But I, I looked in the Bible and I saw in Matthew, uh, the second chapter, and this is kind of the story of Jesus, but um, and we know the story in, in Matthew, the second chapter, the Bible says, In Herod, when he had secretly called a wise man, determined from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word for me that I may come and worship him also. He had no idea. He was not going to worship Jesus. He was going to kill Jesus. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over the young child. And when they saw the star, they were rejoiced and were exceedingly glad. And when they come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. This is These are wise men who did not know who he, who he was at that time. He, they just were following the star, and they came and came down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasure, because they brought gifts to him, they presented him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold represents uh, authority and kingdom. Gold was what they gave to the king. The wise men didn't even know it at that time, but they had brought the highest gift that they could give to a little baby in a manger, gold. But they also brought something else that's very important. Frankincense and myrrh, that is the two ingredients that was prevalent in the anointing oil. So what they did when they came to Jesus that night in Bethlehem, they said, this is the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the one who is anointed to take care of this situation. I can tell you today, my friend, Jesus is still alive today. And He's the anointed one still today. And I thank God for that, that He came and paid a debt that He did not owe for a debt that I could not pay. You understand, every one of us is in the sh- it was, was at one time in the same shape. We were lost and undone without God. Because Jesus came, thank God, over 2,000 years ago, we, He paid our debt that we no way could pay, but He paid a debt 
that for me that I might have eternal life. I think about that time, August 22nd, 1990, when I was lost and undone without God, that somehow He reached down further than I could ever reach up, and He redeemed an old sinner, bless God, and put the anointing of God on an old sinner who He, who He anointed to preach the Word of God all over the world. I thank God for that today, that He cared enough about me that He reached down when I was lost and undone without God and saved me. So that's what He's done for me. You know, there used to be an old song, I don't know if Pat and them would know it, but there's an old song and it was called this. Well, this was a line in it. I'll never get out of this world alive. Remember that? Hank Williams. I'll never get out of this world alive. Well, I'm going to tell you something, honey. I'm getting out of this world, and I'm going to be more alive when I get out than I ever was down here. You can say, well, now Brother Herb died today. No, Brother Herb didn't die today. Brother Herb is just as alive. I'll be more alive when I leave this world than I'll ever be down here. Because I can tell you what, it's no more sickness where I'm going to be going. There's no more death, bless God. Because He paid the price and wiped all of that out, thank God. So when you say, well, Brother Herb's not here no more. Well, he's walking the portals of glory, brother. And he is alive, bless God. And, and, and let me tell you something. It'll be a lot of them in this old world that'll leave here and go to hell. But not me, honey. I done, my price has done been paid, bless God. You know, uh, there's a show that my, my wife likes on TV. And it's called Fixer Upper. Y'all ever know what that show is called? Fixer Upper. Uh, she likes that show, Fixer Upper. Well, Jesus is a Fixer Upper. Because when you was a mess, and all of you at one time was a mess, every one of you at one time needed fixing, bless God. But because He came, bless God, 2,000 years ago, He is the ultimate fixer-upper. You can look in the mirror and say, man, He's done a good job on me. And Jesus was the, came, the one that came and paid the price that you might have everlasting life. Now, I'm going to show you what He did for you. Turn over to Isaiah if you got your Bibles. Y'all need to thank God that uh, I'm still working on the healing because it won't be a two-hour service today. <laughs> but thank God I'm, I'm well, bless God. No matter what anybody says, no matter what the doctor says, I'm blessed and well. Right. Yeah. Amen. Now, look what Isaiah said. And talking about Jesus. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He has anointed me to preach a good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and to open a prison to those who are bound. We were all there at one time. We were all bound by, by, by sin. But he said, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, to console those who mourn in Zion, and to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that you, he's talking about you, may be called trees of righteousness. Now, 
You may not think about it this morning, and you may not think you're righteous, but He made you righteous. When you accepted Jesus as your Savior, you became the righteousness of God in Him. What does that mean? What does righteousness mean? It means you have a right standing with God. That righteousness means that I have a standing that I can come to the Father, thank God for Jesus. Through Jesus, I can come to the Father and I have a right standing and God never turns me away. Whatever I need, I can petition God for whatever I need because I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Now, I came up in an old church where, you know, if you said that, they would think, oh, you just old self-righteous thing, you know, and you think you're so good and all that. I am good because Jesus made me good. I'm good and getting gooder because of what He did for me. And I'm the righteousness of God in Him. Now, righteousness gives you the authority to come to God with... Here's what righteousness is. The righteousness is the ability to come to God without any sense of guilt and inferiority that He will answer your prayer. Now, what happens is, a lot of times, we don't want to come to God because of our guilt and our inferiority or whatever it might be. But because He made you righteous, and the Bible says that you're the righteousness of God in Christ, so I have the right, no matter what I've done, no matter where I've been, no matter where everybody thinks I am, because I accepted Jesus as my Savior, I have a right standing with the Father, and I can petition the Father whatever I need. Now, that's what He did for us. That's, that's the reason Jesus came. Now, look here. In verse 7, now, I like this. In verse 7, uh, Isaiah prophesied this. Now, this is a prophecy that Isaiah made. He said, instead of your shame, you'll have double honor. Instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, he's talking about you, they shall possess, possess double. Everlasting joy shall be yours. Is that pretty good? Yes. That we could double up? Yes. You ever remember the old double cola? Anybody ever had a double cola? Yeah. Y'all don't remember this. Y'all, some of y'all don't know. But we used to have double cola and put peanuts in it. Yeah. I mean, that, that was good. Well, he said, I'm going to let you double up on your joy. Let me tell you something. The church needs to get a little joy, bless God. You don't need to come in here mully grubbing, carrying all sick, carrying on everything. Let me tell you something. For what he's done for us, we ought to be shaking, bless God. And let me tell you something. James Brown ain't got it, ain't, ain't got everything. Because of what he's done, we ought to be happy people. But you know, the world's not. The world is looking for love in all the wrong places. But only the love of Jesus Christ is what will satisfy what you need. Nothing but the love of Jesus Christ. Now, here's what I like. In verse 10, he said, Now, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord, for my soul shall be joyful in my God. He has clothed me with the garment of salvation. And He's covered me 
with a robe of righteousness. So, when we get up in the mornings, we ought to think spiritually that I'm covered with God's righteousness. Don't make any difference what everybody says or what anybody does. I'm covered with the righteousness of God. And we're going to have a good day. Now, he said here, For the earth brings forth its bud, and the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth. So the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all nations. Well, I'm going to ask you a question this morning. What is the reason you come to church? Why don't you ask yourself that question? Why did you come to church this morning? Well, just something to do. I mean, wait, we got nothing to do. The Titans done out of the playoff, I think, aren't they? So we, I don't, I, I don't know if they've lost or what. I guess they'll be on TV or something. But I mean, you know, it, it, uh, we can stay home and watch them or something. We come to church to worship God. Yeah. It ought to be that we come to church to worship God. No other reason. Well, I don't come to come see what Brother Herb's got on, see what Brother Pat's got on, uh, uh, see if somebody didn't shave today or whatever it might be is a reason to come to church. Come to church to worship God. That's all I'm going to do. You know, and, and, and because in, in Acts the 16th chapter, because here's what worship will do. Remember the story about Paul and Silas. The Bible says they were in the innermost parts of the prison and they were bound with stocks and bonds. In other words, they were bound up. And so the Bible says that about midnight, they started crying. Come on. Come on. Well, maybe I read it wrong. At midnight, they started moaning and groaning. No. No. The Bible says at midnight, they just started praising God. And so what happened was when they, they started praising, do you imagine they was bound? They couldn't even lift their hands. But at midnight, they believed that God was going to deliver them. So they just started praising God. And I don't know. You know, they might have been saying, look what the Lord's going to do. Look what the Lord's going to do. He's going to show up and He's going to do something. Look what the Lord's going to do. Then all of a sudden, when they started praising God, the bonds and the chains fell off. And the guards run to the jailhouse, and they're up there doing the dido and shaking and everything, having a good time. And, and, and the guards look in and said, oh, my God, what has happened? And the guards said, and the guards started running away. And Paul and Silas said, no, don't, don't run away. And Paul and Silas led them to the Lord. And got them saved, bless God. And that's what worship did for them. Now, worship will do the same thing for you. When we get out of ourselves, let me tell you something. If you've never been, if you've never been anywhere to really get something from God, you need to go somewhere where God's at to get something. And worship is the key to your deliverance. Let's all stand. Do me a worship song over there, hon. I told you I was going to keep it short this morning. And we're going to spend the end of this service worshiping God. You that want to come to the front, you come to the front. Do my lights for me back there.
And we're going to spend some time just in worship.